You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. On today's episode of Water Flying, Steve and I are joined by Mike Pearson to try and answer a question that we're getting more and more often here at the SPA as the popularity of LSAs increases. So the question today, are light sport aircraft real seaplanes? Well, come on, Abby. The obvious answer would be yes. The obvious answer. But it's not obvious because we hear this a lot from our members. And I would argue that, yes, they are real seaplanes because they land on water. They can either have floats or they can have a, a hull design. So the question is, when members come to us, they want to, why would they be asking this question? Why wouldn't they be considered seaplanes? Mike Pearson is the only approved factory instructor in the C-Ray, the Super Petrol, and the Icon. He's also a good friend of mine and the president of the C-Ray uh, and Super Petrol Flight Instructor Association. And it's a, just a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Well, thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. So it's important to point out that Mike is not only an LSA pilot and instructor, he also has multiple ATPs. How many is that now? Four. Four ATPs. Okay. One wasn't enough. Yeah. Why have one when you can have four? I had to keep going. <laughs> I only have one. Uh, no, I don't have any. Damn it. I don't have any either. I have a type rating. I, I don't have an Mike ATP. this today. Yeah. So he's also a multi-engine uh, C. Uh, pilot. Pilot. Yeah. Which is important, too, because there's only, what, as we've said how many times on the show, about 3,700 of us. And so all three people in the room today, Mike, Abby, and I are all multi-engine C pilots. So again, we'll tell you, if you're not one, you need to become one of our small club. He also has approaching 5,000 hours at total time and 1,000 uh, hours in LSAs. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I've flown a number of planes. I've owned a number of planes. Uh, in addition to having flown the Sea Ray, the Icon, the Super Patrol, I'm also a member of the FAST team, FAA safety team, because as a CFI, you know, I my big thing is promoting safety. And what I really like about seaplanes is they're a lot of fun, but I want people to fly them safely. Absolutely. And you know, at the SBA, that's something that we're constantly stressing to our members. How can you be safer? How can you implement practices that make you a safer pilot? So starting off with the basics, our topic today are, are light sport seaplanes, light sport aircraft considered seaplanes. Um, of course. So that's take us into what the definition of a light sport aircraft is. All right, sure. The FAA actually defines what a light sport aircraft is. Currently, it's a max gross weight of 1,430 pounds for water operations. I never exceed speed, no more than 120 knots, maximum two seats, and a number of other things. But I'll tell you that the FAA is reviewing these, and I expect to see some changes in the light sport parameters. Yeah, and there's some ASTM standards as well, right? Oh, they certainly are. ASTM is the American Society for Testing and Materials. Uh, this is not just engineering stuff, you know, what kind of bolts and what tensile strength and all that stuff. This has to do with every part, and it's not just airplanes. 
uh, has to do with services. It has to do with uh, how things operate. For example, as the ASTM standards apply to aircraft, it includes stability, stall recovery, uh, recovery from fugoid oscillations, etc. cetera. Uh, so it's just like a Part 21 plane in that there are inspections. Uh, there are things that it have to, uh, uh, testing and materials it has to uh, comply with. And each plane is inspected by a DAR before it leaves the factory. So that's, you know, very comforting knowing that there's standards for LSAs that are adhered to by the manufacturers. But I have to tell you, Mike, when I think of an LSA aircraft, all I can think of is talking to my dad and him describing like a lawn chair where you strap an engine to your back and you have a kite wing above your head. It's a scary thing to put your butt on. I mean, the kind of LSAs that I'm imagining, but under the FAA's definition, the J3 that I teach in is an LSA. The Icon, the Sea Ray, they're all considered LSA aircraft, and they're some of the most popular seaplanes on the market right now. Well, I think, you know, one of the things here to, to just jump in for a second was I, I, when I see the manufacturing of the LSAs that's going on today, and it'll be interesting to hear Mike's perspective on this, but, you know, that, that perspective was probably held by a lot of us. But I think it's changed in the last 10 years. Have, have, there's really been some huge changes in the level of the quality, the form, fit, and finish of the airplanes. Um, so, Mike, uh, what, are, what are your perceptions? What's going on? Well, what Abby said about you know how you view these things, I tell you, seven years ago, I looked at it the same way. I was not interested in LSA because in my mind, you had people – uh, putting, you know, cobbling aircraft together in a garage and selling it somewhere uh, to meet uh, you know, some need. But a friend of mine uh, was invited, well, he actually applied to go take a, a demo ride in a Sea Ray and while we were in Florida, and he asked if I wanted to go along. And I thought, sure, I'll go look at it. So while he was doing the demo ride, I walked through the factory and had a nice tour. I was amazed. Uh, that's when I became convinced that these are real aircraft, not just something put together uh, with minimal uh, minimal guidance. Uh, for example, the Sea Ray, uh, people look at it as the hull. Well, the hull is not actually structural for the aircraft part. That's just for the boat. It has a full aircraft aluminum uh, structure or frame underneath that hull. So I was very impressed with how it was built. So that's something that I had to unlearn basically so flying in the j3s they are technically a light sport aircraft but really just this terrible perception that i had implanted in my brain that it's a light sport aircraft it's a light aircraft it's gonna blow into the next state if you have a light breeze (laughs) and so it was really changing that perception which was which i think was kind of interesting well i want to stay on this topic for a second because i can remember going back 15 years ago or so when I would, you know, we we'll use progressive aerodyne as an example going in, you know, what was considered the factory at that point. And, and the standards, I come from a manufacturing environment and I worked at Piper aircraft and I worked at Sikorsky and Pratt Whitney in the manufacturing world. And the, the production standards that I see today, the aircraft that I see coming off of the line. And I think there's a driver on this, which uh, Mike, I want you to expand on, but it's a completely different world than it was 10 or 15 years ago from the quality of manufacturing. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't even look like the same operation. Oh, I'd agree with you. Uh, 
and I told you how impressed I was when I went through the C-Ray factory. Well, then I went through the Super Patrol factory and the Icon factory and saw the same thing. I was very impressed with how these are put together and the use of the uh, ASTM standards. One of the things I run into when people come to me and want to talk about light sport is they very often don't understand the difference between light sport aircraft and light sport certificate. For example, if you're flying under a light sport certificate, that's all you have, you're prohibited from flying at night. So they come to me and say, I don't want to buy a light sport because I want to fly at night. Well, you can fly at night as long as you're flying under a private or commercial or higher certificate and the aircraft is equipped under the FARs for night flight. Very often people misunderstand the two. Yeah, I think that's entirely correct. So you can fly, uh, like we flew the Sea Ray at night that we had uh, uh, on long-term loan. It's it's If you're a private pilot, you're able to fly these aircraft on both cross countries and at night, whereas an LSA pilot or a sport pilot, that might not be the case. So the pilot, the certificate, and the plane are not the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I think uh, – Icon deserves a lot of credit for this discussion about the quality side of things because Absolutely. I, I think they really upped the ante when when they started talking about the aircraft that they were going to build and they started showing the world how slick an LSA could be as far as the manufacturing and the aerodynamics and everything else. I think it really forced everyone else in the industry, all the other manufacturers to raise their bar. So, you know, for everything, anything that anyone could say positive or negative about Icon, I think their influence on the industry has been positive. Everything I have to say about Icon is positive, as well as the Super Patrol and the Sea Ray. But you're absolutely right. I think Icon, when they came out with the concept and design started advertising, really just blew people away and really generated a lot of interest in seaplanes and light sports. At the time, I owned a Columbia 400, and we had some neighbors that uh, we went out to dinner. Uh, well, actually, we went to Martha's Vineyard in the plane, came back, and a couple weeks later, we met for dinner, and she gave me a magazine. It was a Neiman Marcus magazine with an Icon A5 on the on the cover and said you can own this and she, oh that's pretty cool. <laughs> with instruction and she said you need to buy this <laughs> so yeah I, I give Icon a lot of credit for uh, generating a lot of interest in seaplanes and LSAs but also in upping the ante on uh, quality it's just a good looking airplane and so our listeners stay tuned we're going to be talking to Icon in the future probably in the next couple weeks I imagine maybe maybe next year. So stay tuned. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Because it's, it's in December. A weeks. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned. We're going to be talking to Icon here really soon. So, Mike, the manufacturers like Icon, they're putting more aircraft into the market, which is wonderful. They're making these seaplanes accessible to people, and more people are flying, which is great. You know, currency, proficiency, people are up in the air. But you can't take these LSAs into the backwoods of Maine. You can't carry your family to a cabin. You can't pile in every person and go to Thanksgiving. So considering the range and the load limitations in an LSA, you can't deny that there's limitations. You're not flying in 30 knots of wind in a sea ray. Well, Abby, I'm not going to argue with you. I'll just tell you that every plane has its limitations and LSAs are no different. It's true. You know, some, some of the greatest planes in the world are not suitable for taking your family on a trip. Your J3 Cub, 
a P51 Mustang, even a decathlon. And they're wonderful <laughs> platforms. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, when the winds get up in the 20-knot range or even 18-knot range, uh, you're not likely to find me out beating my Super Cub up because if I don't have to land on water that's going to be that big, I'm going to be reluctant to go beat my airplane up. I love my little Super Cub, and I want to take really good care of her, and there's nothing more destructive or, or probably stressful on the airplane than going through big water. So, I typically don't find myself landing in water bigger than you would land a, a LSA unless I have to. I like oh, the I agree with you. I, mean, I agree with you, Steve. I mean, I wouldn't want to land, I wouldn't seek to land a 185 in 30 knots of wind because of the waves. But you know, as Abby said, she said you can't go cross country, uh, you can't take your family. Well, you can easily go cross country in the LSA but they were designed for low, slow, and fun. You know, I've flown light sports seaplanes across the country a few times, both mine and ferrying them. It's been a lot of fun and very memorable experiences. And Abby, I don't know why you wouldn't take an LSA into the backwoods of Maine. I certainly <laughs> would do it. You can get in and out of some very small areas. They're a lot of fun. Well, I, I think that, you know, that's, what people's misconception is, is, you know, the people that ask us, are LSAs real seaplanes? I think have this conception that we're going to fly a Cessna 185. We're going to go into the deep woods for a week at a time. We're going to take our Labrador retriever, our kitchen sink, all the beer that we can carry and everything <laughs> else. And we're going to go in, you know, for this, this, you know, basically you need an F-350 pickup truck to fly what they want to fly in. And I don't know that that's what the average mission is for people well yeah you pick you know the capabilities of your plane whether it's a j3 whether it's a 206 on floats uh and what you where you're going to go and whether or not that's the right thing for it i get a lot of people come to me and say well i'm looking at buying one of these which one should i get and my first question is would you rather drive a ferrari or a jeep cherokee yeah. <laughs> And they look at me and then they say, well, it depends on what I'm using it for. And I say, exactly. Exactly. The aircraft. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like that metaphor. So let's let's take a look at this. So um, uh, LSAs, I think, open up a, a world to potential seaplane pilots. And, and from that, I mean that if you're looking for an entry-level airplane, if, you're, if you are flying on a budget, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm always flying on a budget uh, on my best day. You know, when you look at these LSAs, even if you look at a fairly economical airplane like my Super Cub, the Sea Ray, we'll just say, or any uh, Rotex-powered LSA is going to burn about a th third, uh, you know, a half to a third of the fuel as the Super Cub, depending on my flight profile. And they also, if you look at like a Cessna 185, are going to have less maintenance. The, uh, you know, a, a prop overhaul on a Cessna 185 costs more than the prop on a Sea Ray. Or, or any of these LSAs, not to keep picking on Sea Ray or, or to pointing them out. Um, Super Petrol uses the same propeller. So, you know, you, you're not as limited as you are in a normal category aircraft with the LSAs as far as the amount of expense that you're going to have. And I think that's a big deal. Plus, you can fly them on basic med. Um, you know, people wouldn't that might not have a, a normal opportunity to fly are going to be able to do so in these LSAs. Um, so if, if 
you're opening up this world and you're reducing these limitations so that literally more people can do this. And, and you know, the, the argument that you can't do this, like you said, go on a cross country. We had Michael Smith uh, do a, a pretty amazing flight. Tell us about uh, his little adventure in an, in an LSA. Sure. Michael Smith is an Australian. His original plan was to fly the original Qantas route from Sydney, Australia to London. And he bought a Sea Ray, but he had to modify it because he needed to carry extra fuel. So he got with the uh, designer of the Sea Ray, Kerry Richter, in Tavares, Florida. And they worked out a design that make, would make it a lot stronger uh, so that he could fly to London. Let me tell you that every design change they made to make it stronger is in all the LSAs today. All the factory builds are already in it. If you buy a kit, they're already in there. You told us that before. I think that is just so incredibly interesting that this that one, one guy, customer that he he was able to change the entire manufacturing process. I think that is absolutely amazing. I, I think it's a great story. Yeah. Big and he's a great guy. <laughs> And he wanted to fly to London. And when he got there, he thought, well, my gosh, I got this far. I wonder if I can go around the world. And he did. That yeah. sounds like Forrest Gump, does it? Doesn't it? <laughs> you know, he I just kept running. I don't know anyone except Michael and myself. You know, I, I've had those kind of conversations with my wife, and maybe it's a pilot thing. But, I, you know, I, I don't know anyone that, you know, he set off from Australia telling his wife, I'm going to fly to London. <laughs> and he got to London, and he calls his he wife, and he's like, uh, honey... I've made it this far, you know, I think I'll just go the rest of the way around the world and it's going to take me a year to do it. Yep. <laughs> just amazing. That, just that an amazing story. You probably want to make long distance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's really funny because Mike's become a good friend and um, we were tracking his flight when he was doing it. And oddly enough, I was sitting in Australia with the Australian Seaplane Pilots Association uh, communicating with Mike via uh, Skype as he was in the Aleutian Islands uh, getting prepared to make a 22-hour nighttime nonstop flight over water from the Aleutian Islands to Japan. So again, if you want to question whether uh, LSA is a seaplane, I don't know a lot of 185s or Super Cubs that have flown around the world, and I sure as heck don't know a lot of Super Cubs that have flown a 22-hour flight over water at night in IMC at 1,000 feet, um, and yet we've had LSAs do that. We certainly have. <laughs> That's really pretty amazing. So speaking of international flying, like what Michael Smith did in his Sea Ray, how have LSAs been accepted in other countries? Oh, LSA has been accepted in a lot of countries. Uh, for example, the Sea Ray, who's been out for, what, 28 years now. It's not a new plane. Uh, the production, the SLSA's factory built, has only been out since 2014. But there are over 800 Sea Rays worldwide, a uh, dozen in Europe. There are 29 in Australia. There are five in New Zealand. Uh, when I was in New Zealand last year, my wife and I were celebrating an anniversary. I went and spent some time, great way to celebrate an anniversary. I spent some time with my uh, seaplane pilot friends that had sea rays out there. Uh, they're in Canada and Alaska, too. So it's not just a warm weather plane like in Florida. Their Super Patrol, uh, is the manufacturer, is in Brazil, and they're all over the world. There's 389 worldwide, 33 in the U.S., so they're really fairly new in the U.S., 
Icon really just started up their production or their production a couple of years ago, and they have 127 built right now, uh, and but three outside the continental U.S. and Canada. Yeah, I was surprised to see how many of the LSAs were down in Australia, and I've seen the LSAs all over the world in my travels. I think one of the big reasons we see that potentially is the cost of fuel internationally. Um, last time I was in Australia a couple of years ago, uh, auto gas was about eight thirty-five a gallon, and if, if I'm, I may be mistaken, because we were buying Avgas by the drum um, for our circumnavigation of Australia, and that goes all the way back to t- 2005. But we were paying sixteen dollars a gallon. And so, again, even if you look at my Super Cub at 10 to 12 gallons an hour versus an LSA with a Rotax at four gallons an hour burning auto gas that cost half as much per gallon, I think that, you know, there's a huge reason for their popularity internationally that the U.S. is really kind of the last one. Behind on. Yeah. Yeah, So it it went international before it really gained that popularity in the United States. Maybe it's not even at that level of popularity that it is elsewhere. Yeah, the only two continents I'm not aware that have light sports are Antarctica and Africa. And remember, I said I'm not aware. Yeah, not aware. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think looking at the cost of fuel, um, and uh, again, looking at the maintenance, um, the difficulty of getting hundred LL when you leave the United States. Uh, 100 LL is, is something, a luxury that we enjoy here in the United States. I tell you, you get it out of the United States, and it can become pretty difficult to find 100 LL. So all of these factors, I think, have really kind of contributed to the popularity uh, internationally and around the world. So, um, um, you know, they also have quieter engines, I think, which might play into factor with some of the European regulations. We're seeing a lot more noise uh uh, restrictions in Europe uh, in particular. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, from my experience uh, outside of the U.S., we wouldn't probably be asking this question. So it's hard bringing up this part of it, but, you know, it has to be it has to be asked. The whole accident problem, I mean, especially this year, um, what kind of safety concerns do you have surrounding the LSAs? I mean, Obviously, it's dependent on the pilot, their proficiency, their currency experience, what kind of training they've had. But, you know, people that go up in these light sport aircraft, they may not be able to handle every wind and water situation. So, Mike, um, what have you experienced? What have you seen as far as addressing safety concerns in these aircraft? Yeah, well, Abby, let me tell you, first of all, thank you. This is probably the most important thing to raise on a podcast about LSAs. because we're all concerned with safety. But I got to start with any aircraft takes proper training. Absolutely. Uh, People think that, well, I fly this, so I get into this and I can handle it. Well, no, you've got to learn not all the avionics. You have to learn the characteristics of the plane. I became a C-Ray Flight Instructor Association member and then a Super Patrol Flight Instructor Association. and, And then ICON asked me if I would join their team as an independent instructor. And all three of them, I said, look, I will do this because I want to fly your plane and all that, but I'm not going to instruct in it unless I agree with your training and your emphasis on safety. And all three do that. ICON, I think, has gotten a a rap because of the high-profile incidents, but boy, it's a good plane, and wow, it's it's a very, very good training program. 
The Sea Ray Flight Instructor Association was started about eight years ago because nobody, no insurance company would insure Sea Rays. So Progressive Aerodyne contacted some people who later became good friends of mine and asked them to develop a training program. So they did. And they looked into uh, all the Sea Ray incidents and accidents. And when you factor out, they were all experimental at the time, when you factor out those that were not built properly, they found that 95% of the accidents and incidents were attributed to one of five causes. They developed a training program that not only meets all the FAA requirements for a commercial add-on or, or a private add-on, but treats those five as part of a safety culture in how you do things. I mean, you don't go through the training and do it once or twice. It's all part of it. Uh, since that uh, association started, we have now trained 109 people. And by the way, the training is uh, 12 to 14 hours of flying and about nine to 10 hours of ground, we've only had one incident. And that's because of the way the training is done. Super Patrol Flight Instructor Association, uh, they are doing the same thing, but they're just too new and are really getting started. ICON is there as far as their training. They've got a great training program. Uh, every aircraft takes proper training. I I'll tell you, I've had people call me and say, look, I have, and this is a true, honest one, I have 40,000 hours I'm going to buy me a Sea Ray. Uh, I want two hours of instruction. Said, <laughs> You're not going to get it. You yeah, need I, more. Well, I said no. He said, what do you mean no? I said, I'm not going to give you two hours of instruction. Uh, if all you want to do is a demo ride for two hours and let's handle the controls, I'll do that. But if you're looking for instruction or you're looking for uh, some insurance certificate for insurance, and by the way, Supertrol and the CRA flight instructors, when they finish the program, they get a certificate showing they've completed factory-approved training. But I won't do a quick course. No, I can tell you, uh, I just got to jump in there for a second because I've, I've had the great honor, I guess, or experience of going through the C-Ray factory training program as well as the ICON factory training program. And I have to tell you, <laughs> I always pride myself. I'm a, I'm a very proud tailwheel pilot. I've owned my, my first airplane, which I still own, that I've owned for 23 years is a Cessna 120 tail dragger. And I really pride myself on my tailwheel abilities. And I have rarely been humbled as much as my first tailwheel landings in a Sea Ray. And it really made me gain a lot of respect for Sea Ray pilots. Uh, because without that differential braking, and also with a propeller that becomes a wall in front of your tail surfaces, uh, if you pull the power back on landing in a Sea Ray, uh, you're kind of... <laughs> It, you have to learn to land it with technique, which is a little bit of power to keep that airflow over the tail. And uh, so I, I have to tell you, um, yeah, you're not going to just do a wham-bam uh, transition into one of these LSAs. You do need proper training in them. Oh, I absolutely agree. And it's not a difficult tailwheel to fly. It's just a little different. You have to understand the plane, especially with that pusher prop. Is a huge difference from that 120 you fly. It's not a two-hour training program. Yeah, and and I have to say, this is another big difference that maybe outsiders, and and when I say outsiders, seaplane pilots that haven't had the LSA experience, that quite honestly, Mark Twombly, the editor of Water Flying, and myself were missing uh, when we started the journey with the Sea Ray, is that 
the manufacturers, I, I remember the old days dealing with Kerry Richter when I was selling the ads for Waterflying Magazine. And I think at that point, I again, I hate to point out any one manufacturer, but I think it was more like, okay, uh, thanks for buying the airplane. Here's your keys. Away you go. Yeah. And, and that could not be further from the truth today with these manufacturers. They really have stepped up to the responsibility of training the pilots buying these aircraft. And I think that's because, as you know, we were having some issues getting them insured and, and other things. And my experience going through the progressive aerodyne training, going through the icon factory training, and I look forward to going through, matter of fact, I think you're going to be my instructor in the super petrol. I'd be glad to do it. <laughs> I can't wait to do that. <laughs> So uh, they've really stepped up, um, and you've been so proactive uh, with it as well. You've become a member of our manufacturers' seaplane safety initiative group that we have. And again, all the manufacturers, I approached them, and they all jumped on board to become a part of that safety initiative group. So I really give them a lot of credit. And it's it's like what you were saying, Steve. You know, you, you'd rather see someone flying more in an LSA seaplane than flying an expensive, you know, burning fuel like nobody's business, normal category aircraft once a month and losing that proficiency. You know, you see these light sport guys and they are out all, all the, the time. time. So I think all the big the analogy. It's cheap and it's fun. Yeah. You know, my analogy there is I had to laugh. We have a, a board member that has a 185 and hopefully I don't let that cat out of the bag here. But, you know, his wife was like, well, how how much does it really cost to fly the airplane? And I was like, I don't think she really understands. To honestly put a price on an hour in a Cessna 185, you're probably at 400 to $450 an hour by the time it's all said and done. And even with my Super Cub, I, when we, you know, I see the, the Rotax is going out for four gallons an hour and you're burning auto gas. Um, boy, I'd rather see someone go out, and I use the Miata analogy all the time. You know, you go out, you have the, the, the you slide the canopy open, you're going to fly it with the canopy open, you're not going to take a lot with you, you're not going to burn a lot of fuel, but boy, are you going to have a lot of fun. And I think from a pilot proficiency and a pure enjoyment, how much enjoyment you receive out of the airplane, there's a huge argument to being able to go out for $25 an hour and just, you know, have fun. Yeah, no doubt. So as the popularity of LSAs continue to rise, I really, I urge our members, our listeners to embrace the LSA community. It's really, it's really a lot of fun um, what the manufacturers are doing to improve safety. What instructors like Mike here are doing to improve the safety of these LSA pilots is pretty amazing. I urge people to get training, know your limitations, whatever you're flying, the limitations of your aircraft. If you're flying an LSA, if you're flying a normal category aircraft, just be smart, get training. So Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I, it was really my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. No, I have you and Steve. No, it's been my pleasure. No doubt. I think you, you could tell from this that I, I just love this kind of stuff. I love the seaplanes. They're a lot of fun. You know, I do a lot of instruction in mine, but when I have free time, I fly it for the pure joy. It is a real airplane. Okay. So last, we have to solve the, what we started with. Are LSA seaplanes Real seaplanes, Abby. Yes. Mike, R. Yes. <laughs> you said absolutely. Yes. I concur. So to anyone that wants to know, is an LSA seaplane a real seaplane? From the three esteemed members of this panel. Esteemed. 
<laughs> we concur that, yes, in fact, LSA seaplanes are real seaplanes. That is the definitive answer. Final. It's done. Thank you very much. We look forward to talking to you next time. Take care, all. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.